Uh, let's turn in our Bibles. Um, you saw the scripture on the screen, John 8:32, and we believe um, everything that we're discussing uh, in this series uh, is truly is not opinion. Um, we are looking at what the Bible says about these issues, and the Bible is the truth. Um, and um, so we believe, according to eight, uh, John 8:32, that as we come to know the truth, the truth will make us free. And, um, and that's, that's what we want to have happen in each and every one of our lives, uh, understand the Word of God. And, and our basis for everything we're discussing is the Scriptures. Uh, we believe that it is the infallible Word of God, inspired by God. And um, so we believe that absolute truth right here. Um, so that's the basis. That's where we're springboarding from. Um, and so if you have questions about that, any one of us with an Ask Me team would be happy to talk about that with you. Um, but really here at Urban, as we, as we get into some of these issues and some of these talk, topics, um, at Urban we believe that there is a dream and a treasure inside of each and every individual. Um, we believe that there is a destiny, a plan that God has for each one of us. And we, we want to see every single person discover what that dream is and begin to live in it. And I believe, and I know for a, for, the, for a fact, because I've lived it out, that as we come to know what the Bible says about many of the topics that we face every single day, that we will have the, the tools necessary to live the life that Christ came to give us, an abundant life, and to fulfill the dreams um, that God has for us. Um, and if we don't understand what the truth is and we don't understand what the Word of God is, we're, we, we're, we're going we're gonna to miss the mark somewhere along the way. And we may not reach the ultimate dream that God has given to us. And so um, we believe that as we discover the truth, we will reach those dreams and we will obtain them. Uh, let's look in our Bibles at Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read several scriptures here and then we will pray and we'll get right into it. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. <clears throat> It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, like those cockroaches that tend to come out in my house every once in a while. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you shall be food for you. Let's uh, fast forward over to Genesis chapter 2, and looking at verse 18. I'm going to look at the account of the creation of woman. Uh, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh in its place. <clears throat> then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to man. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And you can hear more about that when you go online. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalms. We'll go to Psalms. 139, Psalms 139. And starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In your book all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that, um, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word today. God, I pray that each and every one of our hearts would be open to receive all that you have to say this evening. God, we pray that your word would bring change and transformation in our lives. And simply, God, we just ask you to have your way. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Um, this subject uh, that we're going to discuss tonight, I, I consider it um, a privilege and honor to be able to come and share on this particular topic with you tonight. Um, the only way that I can do so tonight is simply because of the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus Christ, because I stand here tonight not just as a woman and a pastor to share the Word of God with you, but I stand here tonight as one when I was 19 years old, before I knew Jesus Christ, who had chosen to have an abortion. So I know the pain, I know what the decision involves, I know what the procedure involves, and I know what takes place after. And so I stand here tonight um, with humility and gratitude to Jesus Christ that, that you know, his, his forgiveness and his grace has come upon my life and his healing work has been done. And so uh, I come to you tonight from that perspective. And um, I believe that um, just as I'm aware of the sensitivity, sensitivity of the subject, um, as are you, because the reality is many of us either know someone that has had a, an abortion um, or uh, you know, maybe we have had one ourselves, maybe you have had one in the past, um, or you know someone that's contemplating it, or you've simply turned on the TV and seen the political um, stuff that surrounds the topic, and um, it, it's coming out all over the place uh, for different reasons. Um, and so I come tonight with um, awareness of the sensitivity and what it all involves, and um, as I was studying, I was taking a look at the many statistics regarding this issue. And my stool is having issues. Um, and I found that one in every three women, by the time they're um, 45 years old, will have had an abortion. One in every three women, by the time they're 45, will have had an abortion. Um, I also found that um, teenagers that have an abortion are ten times more likely to commit suicide than teenagers that have not had an abortion. Um, I also found, and this is um, uh, something that, that just shows me that this is a, a topic we need to discuss in church, I found that 70 to 80% of all women that have an abortion are women that profess a faith in God. 
profess to have some kind of relationship with him or acknowledge who he is in their lives. And so what, what does that say to us? If you got the mailer um, that went out to the many homes throughout, throughout San Diego, um, you saw an elephant on the front of that card. And, um, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, the white elephant in the middle of the room. You know, it's the thing that everybody walks around, the issue that everybody sees, everybody knows about, but we're just not going to talk about it, you know. Um, that statistic tells me that this is not a topic or an issue that um, people face outside the four walls of a church, but it's something that women inside the church face. And um, it's that white elephant that's sitting right here, right now, in the middle of the room. And, and I'm excited because we're going to confront it. We're going to face it, and we're going to take a look at it. And, um, and so that, that statistic um, is, is just, just grieved me. And, but at the same time, it just showed me that we just really need to talk about this and, and bring um, the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. I also um, discovered that 1% of abortions are performed uh, as a result of incest or rape, and 3% are performed um, due to the health, health risk to the mom or to the child, and the remaining percentage of all abortions are performed because of an unwanted pregnancy. Um, and, uh, and so those, I'm just going to throw those out there. There are many other statistics that you can take a look at online as you research it. Um, the, the woman that was on the screen today, uh, the very last um, woman that shared, she made a statement that um, I've read my Bible and it doesn't say anything about abortion, and she's correct. Um, the Bible does not use that term, abortion. And really, that term is something that we've come up with. Um, and, and it's something that, that we've uh, uh, conspired or created or whatever you want to say. Um, that's something that, that we've come up with. The Bible does not talk about abortion. But how many of you know that we do not live out our faith in God based on what the Bible doesn't say? <laughs> we don't live our life based on what the Bible doesn't say. My children, thank God, don't live their life based on what Mama doesn't say. Because if that were the case, they'd be, you know, jumping off our high-rise building just to see if they could fly. You know, they'd be, you know, my, my daughter Faith would punch Car in the Faith just to see what had happened. You know, well, but Mommy didn't say I can't punch Car in the face, you know. How many of you know we don't live our life based on what the Bible doesn't say? But we live our lives based on what the Bible does say. Uh, the Word of God is a blueprint for our lives. And it gives, it's like our instruction manual on how we ought to live. And so we make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis based on what it says, based on what we find in the Scriptures. So today, um, I, I want to share with all of us what the Bible does say. Not what the Bible doesn't say, but what the Bible does say. So the first thing that we're going to take a look at is what the Bible has to say regarding original design. If you've been with us through this series, you have heard that with each topic, Ben has brought it back to what, is, what was God's original plan prior to sin entering the world. When Adam and Eve were created in that, in that atmosphere of perfect harmony and perfection before sin entered, what was God's original plan? What was God's original design? And so tonight we see uh, what the Bible says about his original design for woman. And the original design is laid out for us in Genesis chapter 1. So just flip back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and we're going to take a look at that. In Genesis 1, we read it. God, um, God said, let us make man, let us make woman in our image and in our likeness. And God, after man and woman is created, God says something. He says, be fruitful 
and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. What is God saying? God is saying, this is the plan that I have for you. Here, I've created you. I've fashioned you. I've formed you. Now here, go and do this. In other words, go and have lots of babies and fill the earth. All right? This is the plan that God laid out for Adam and Eve. They, they stood. They looked at one another. They were naked. They were not ashamed. God said, go and be fruitful. Go and multiply. Go and fill this planet. All right? And so we look at the original plan that God had for Adam and for Eve. And how many of you know prior to the creation of Eve, as, as Adam is, is sitting there and he's naming all of the creatures and all of the birds and he's naming and he's going through all of them and he's looking around going... There's nothing for me, you know. There's two of that one. There's two of this one. There's two of this one, but there's one of me. And God, how am I supposed to be fruitful and multiply when there's no helper comparable to me to partner with me in the plan that you just laid out? And so God takes that rib and he forms Eve and he fashions her in such a way that she, along with her husband, come along side by side and they together can fulfill the plan of God, which is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, ladies, can I just say this? I'm not saying that every one of you has to get married and be barefoot and pregnant, okay? That is not... That is not what I'm communicating here today, okay? I was joking around this, uh, this morning. I said, you know what? I, you know, barefoot and pregnant, that's not my thing. First of all, I was... I just, I, I swelled up. I retained water when I was pregnant. So it was just like painful. My feet were massive, okay? When I, I had to be barefoot, okay? Uh, barefoot and pregnant. I had to be barefoot because my feet would not fit into the shoes. It was flip-flop time, you know, towards the end of the pregnancy because, you know, I, I lived in, in, in San Diego and uh, with our first daughter, Cara, I had her um, in July. And so it was summertime in North County, um, east, far enough east where it gets, you know, 90s, really hot, and it's just like smoldering. We had a, we had a 1970 Camaro. Well, I had a 1970 Camaro. I brought it into the family. Thank you very much. I think that's what got Ben interested in me because he, he saw my car first, and then he saw me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, and so I had a, we had a 1970 Camaro, and one, one day Ben ended up having to drive the other car to work, which was the car that had AC, and I was like seven months pregnant, and I had to drive to the church in the 1970 Camaro and, you know, in the heat of, of the day, and by the time I got there, I was sweating, my feet were swollen, I was like, I am never driving that car again. I was like, no. And so it was the barefoot part was out of necessity when I was pregnant. It, was ne- it wasn't necessarily out of, you know, a desire to be barefoot. But I was joking around this morning talking about how I really like my heels and shoes. And like Lauren, it's one of my weaknesses um, to go shoe shopping. Um, so I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that every woman has to be barefoot and pregnant. You get married and that is all you will ever do. That is God's perfect plan for you, Okay. That is God's design. That is God's plan. Um, Now, beyond that, God has a specific plan for each one of us and a dream that he puts inside of us with desires. Maybe it's to be in the workplace. Maybe it's to be a teacher. Maybe it's to be a doctor. Maybe it's to be a nurse. Maybe it's to be on the mission field. Okay, so understand what I'm saying here this morning. Um, But we do see in the scriptures that, that God had an original plan, an original design. 
He brought man, he brought woman together, and he said to be fruitful and multiply. So we see God's plan here. And when we look at woman, when we look at ourselves, ladies, um, and you just take anatomy 101, okay, and you look at the, the woman's body and our makeup, and you take a look at the womb, okay, we were created, and I think it is the most amazing privilege that God has given to us as women, the privilege to partner with him in bringing and creating life and bringing forth children. Um, my husband, when I was pregnant with both my girls, you know, when it gets to the point where they're kicking and you can really feel the kicking, you can see the kicking, you can see the, you know, the knee or the elbow or the foot. You know, a friend of ours talked about how they saw their child's foot one time, like actual like toe, like foot come out. And that's not a pleasant thing for the woman, by the way, for the wife, okay? That hurts. Um, but when, when that was happening and Ben would sit there and I'd be sitting on the couch, I'd be like, do you want to feel? And he's like, no. <laughs> he, he, you know, at first he was like, oh, you know, a little freaked out about it. And then afterwards, you know, he was like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. But at first he's like, it's like alien or something, you know, something's going to pop out of the belly button, you know? He's like, that's freaky. He's like, I am glad that you're the woman, and I'm glad that you are the one bringing the children to life on this earth. He was like, I just don't think I could handle it. Um, and and God, God knew that, I think. God knew um, that men wouldn't, it would just be, you know, against their makeup, okay? And, but God created us as women with a womb, um, with the privilege of partnering with God in that unique way to create life. And so... Um, when we take a look at his original plan and we take a look at the original design and we take a look at Eve's name. Eve means life. Look at the beginning when Adam and Eve were created and the name that she was given is so significant to us ladies. It's life. Not only were we created in such a way to partner with God to create life and bring life, but the name that was given to us ladies is life. Um, and when we choose to have an abortion, abortion goes directly against what we were created for. It goes against our design, and it goes against our makeup. Um, and, and, and it goes against the plan of God for each one of us. And, and I, was, I was studying that, and I was thinking about that. Um, I was reminded of the story of Jacob and Esau. Um, many of us know the story of Jacob and Esau. You may not, but Jacob and Esau were brothers. And one day Esau was the one that was like the hunter and he would be out in the field and he'd be hunting and he'd be doing his thing. And he was out in the field one day and he was hunting and he came in and he didn't catch anything apparently and he was starving. He was like ravenously hungry. He's starving. He comes into Jacob and Jacob's sitting there like, <laughs> and he's stirring the stew and he's got this red stew and he's stirring it up. And Esau looks at him and is like, I am so hungry. I'm going to die. And he's just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Give me, the, give me the stew. Give me a bowl. Just give me a bowl of the stew. I'm going to, can't you see? I'm going to die. And he's succumbing to his natural impulses. He's succumbing to the, 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 the immediate situation that he's in. And he's just like, give it to me. And Jacob looks at him and says, well, give me your birthright. The birthright was the, the favor, the blessing, the, his, 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 his position, the, the plan of God for his life, if you will. And Jacob says, give me that. And Esau succumbed under the, 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 the desire for something natural, some food. He succumbed under that, um, that, that, that I've got to have it now and I need an answer now. And he succumbed to that and he said, fine, what good is my birthright to me? And he gave it to, he, he, he surrendered his birthright and he took that bowl of stew 
And ladies, can I tell you what? I, I, I believe that that is what happens to us as women when we say, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll put the, the plan of God and the design in which God created us and the thing in which God created us for, we surrender that. We give that over just for an immediate fix, a temporal fix that what we, what we see will fix our immediate situation, the problem that we're facing right now. That's really what Esau did. He, he looked at his circumstances and he just, I'm so starving, I'm so hungry. And just, just I get rid of that. And I'll take something that will solve the problem for the moment. Without understanding, you see later what happened with Esau and, and his reaction to, oh my gosh, I surrendered my birthright. And he realized what he had done and the anguish and, and the pain that took place after that, after realizing that. Ladies, I, I, I know and I believe that when we choose the route of abortion, we're surrendering the plan of God for our lives. We're, we're giving it over. We're saying, we don't, we don't want that right now. And we're taking something that may solve the problem in the immediate moment, but long-term it haunts us for a lifetime. And so we see what the Bible says about the original design and the original plan that God has for woman. Let's take a look at Psalm 139. Fast forward to Psalm 139. I keep trying to sit down, but I just can't. Sit down for a second. I'm going to be back up again, I know. <laughs> Psalm 139, verse 13. When, when we take a look at this, this scripture, we see that the Bible says something about the original plan and the original design of woman. And then we also see what God says about life. Uh, we see that God says that life begins at conception. And we see that the Bible says that God is involved in the process from conception all the way through birth and all the way to the end of our lives and even beyond that. And we see that here in Psalm 139 as we look at this passage of Scripture and you go to verse 15 and you look at the word um, frame and you study out the word frame and it, 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 if you study it out, it means the physical makeup of human body, the underlying constructional system that gives strength or shape. It's referring to the skeletal system. So that scripture says, my frame was not hidden from you. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. What, what is that? That's talking about the womb, okay, the, the lowest part of the earth. It's referring to the womb when you study that out. But frame, that word is talking about the skeletal makeup. So what that's telling us is that God, from the very beginning, inside of the womb, he saw us. He saw our frame. He saw the makeup and the design of us. He was there and he was involved in it. And then if we look at verse 16, it says, you, you, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. When you look at that word unformed, it means not arranged in regular shape or order. Or relations, it's, uh, that word means undeveloped. So we look at this passage of scripture and we see that, that God, his eyes saw our substance before there was any formation. What is that talking about? What, if you look at the fetal development, you see that the embryo, when you look at the embryo at the, at the moment of conception, you don't see much form. You don't see the frame yet. But this scripture is telling us that when, when the substance was yet unformed, when there was a, there's no development as of yet from that very moment of conception, it says here that the days were fashioned. 
the days God planned out our days from that moment, from the moment of conception, the moment that egg and the sperm locked together, in that moment, if you study it out, that all 46 chromosomes are present in that one moment. 23 from the mom, 23 from the dad, and in that moment of conception, the sex of your child is already determined. And we see here that in that moment when there was yet no formation, when the frame has not developed yet, God had already planned out and fashioned every single day, and it's written down in a book in heaven. What does that tell us? It tells us that God sees life. He sees a life, and he sees that it begins at conception. He sees that life from the beginning of conception all the way to the end. He sees every day. He sees every moment, and it's already been planned out. It's already been laid out. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, and you can write down uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verse 5, which is uh, God speaking to, to Jeremiah, and he says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God, the Bible says that God views life beginning at conception. Which, ladies and gentlemen, tells us that when a man or a woman chooses abortion to end a pregnancy, that tells me that they're taking a life. When a woman chooses abortion, she's taking a life. And the Bible makes it very clear that when we shed innocent blood, um, it's murder. And, and so we see here that life begins at conception. And therefore, if a child, a fetus, an embryo is aborted, a child is aborted, a life has been ended. And so we see that that's what the scripture lays out for us here. Not only do we see in the Bible that the Bible says something about the original design, not only do we see that the Bible says something about life beginning at conception. When I think about that one, I was, when I think about that, the amazing thing is that every single one of us, even those that don't know God at all, every woman on the face of this planet has God working on the inside of her when she conceives a child. You ever thought about that? It hit me like a rock today. I don't know what it was, but I was like, you know what? Every single woman, from the moment she conceives, this scripture shows us, and, and, and other scriptures as you study it out, this scripture shows us that even those women that don't know God, that don't have a relationship with him, when they conceive, God is, God is working inside of them. Isn't that amazing? God is working inside of them. And it is the most incredible privilege and honor. And, um, and, and because of, of the original design and the original plan that God, had, God has for us as women, I believe that as a woman, and I know this um, from experience, so right now I'm speaking from my, my personal experience, um, because when I was 19 years old, I didn't know Jesus Christ. Um, I didn't grow up going to church. Um, I didn't have any knowledge about the Bible, about the scriptures. Um, I didn't understand all that. At that time, when I chose to have the abortion, um, there were um, bombings taking place at abortion clinics. There were death threats on abortion doctors, much like what um, took place last week. Um, and so there was just this absolute fear, um, more than anything, of, of honestly, fear of Christians and fear of, of you know, what, 
you know, what was going to happen when I went there. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand what the Bible said. I, you know, I remember going to the clinic and Planned Parenthood, and they, they, um, they said, yes, it's confirmed, you're pregnant. And the first thing handed me was a pamphlet saying, this is the number to call, this is the clinic to go to, and um, they can arrange everything you need for your abortion. And that was, that was what I was given. I, there was no other option. And, and as a 19-year-old girl who had no understanding of the scriptures, um, I, I got caught up in this whirlwind. And people and, and um, the person I was with um, began to encourage me in that and say that, you know, that, that's what I needed to do. But in spite of not knowing God, in spite of not really ever going to, never going to church before, there was still something deep down on the inside of me that was just like, this isn't right. Even though I was handed the pamphlets, even though the people that I sat down with at the clinic began to talk to me about it and as my option and what I ought to do, and, and even though the people I was around, very few at that time, were, were laying it out for me, there was still something deep down on the inside that was just eating away at me going, this just doesn't feel right. And I believe the reason why that took place, even though I had no relationship with God, was because God was already on the inside of me, fashioning and forming that child. God was already at work inside. And, and I believe it's also because, um, because of, of the way I was created. And deep down inside, there's something inside of us that, that knows that there's a purpose, there's a plan, and and, and because of my makeup and, and understanding, you know, as a woman, I, I believe that that's why I was sensing that and why I was feeling that. Um, and so we see that the Bible says the original design, the original plan, and we see that the Bible says that life begins at conception. Uh, what we also see is that God is a God of life. The Bible tells us that God is a God of life, and our God is a restorer um, he, he is one that can heal and can restore. We see that all throughout the Bible. Stories after stories after stories of men and women that were restored and, and, and were healed. And, and I think of King David when I think of this and I, as I look at the Bible and understand that God is a God of life. That first of all, the Bible says in John 10.10 10, that the, the enemy, the thief, comes to kill, steal, and destroy but Christ says, I came to give life and that they may have it more abundantly. Christ came to bring life. Christ came to bring life to each one of us. And, and when, I, when we look at the scriptures, we understand that it, that it says that the wages of sin is death. But Christ came to bring life. The wages of sin is death, but Christ came to bring life. And he shed his blood that we might experience new life. And when I think about King David, and I look at the account of King David in, um, in the scriptures where he, the Bible talks about how he was a king, and in the, in the, it says, in the days when kings went out to battle, David remained. And he stayed back when kings were ought to be out in the battle with their, with their armies. He stayed back and he got caught up in sin with a woman. And he went in and he knew that woman. And if you were here last week, you know what he knew that woman means. Um, he knew her, all right? He knew her very well. Um, he went in and he had sex with her. Um, and in order to cover up that sin, David 
has her husband killed. David sheds innocent blood. And when I think about the issue of abortion, it's a shedding of innocent blood. But I am so thankful for what the Bible does say, for what I see in the scriptures. And I see King David. When King David was confronted by the prophet, and the prophet says, this is what you've done. And King David repents and he says, God, I've sinned before you. And he goes to God. God heals him. God restores him. God cleanses him. And God doesn't just do a work inside of him and forgive him for that sin, but God restores King David back to his kingdom. Can I tell you that the church is not a place where people should be condemned or feel judged when they walk in? The church is a place where people can walk in. It's not a place where we're all perfect. Gosh, I wish I was perfect. My husband's really close to it. He's very close to it. Um, the, the, the church, and, and I've heard people say it before, the church is filled with hypocrites. No. The church is just filled with people that are human. Filled with people that have fallen down. But though a righteous man falls down, come on, he gets back up again. Though a righteous man falls down, he gets back up again. And I see that with King David in the moment when he fell down and he fell hard, he shed innocent blood. When he came to God, and turn with me in, into Psalms uh, 51. Psalms 51. He turns to God and look all the way down at verse 11. This is David crying out to the Lord. He's crying out to God because he, he realizes his sin. And can I tell you something? When, when a woman goes through that procedure, she doesn't need to have somebody standing there with the Bible quoting the scriptures to her to know what she's done. Because from the moment when I went through that and the moment I made that decision, not only did a child die on the inside of me, but something in me died. And it was very clear, it was very obvious. And I went on a path of destructive behavior, and many women go in different directions as a result of choosing to have an abortion. Um, some, some isolate themselves, some um, have suicidal tendencies, some, um, for the rest of their lives, have the inability and struggle to receive love and acceptance because they don't feel as though they deserve it. And so here's David, really probably feeling much like a woman who has chosen to go that route, feeling much like her, just in anguish and despair. And he cries out, don't cast, away, don't cast me away from your presence, God. And do not take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me in your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be, convic shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. O oh God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. And it continues to go on. And as David cries out to God, don't take your presence from me. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Bring that healing. The Bible says that when we confess our sins, 
God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and so we see here with David, as he's crying out to God, what does God do? God does a work of restoration. God does a work of cleansing. And we see David restored to his place in the kingdom. And not only that, but as you look in the scriptures, um, you see that the Bible says and calls David, says that David was a man after God's own heart. What? What? David, a man who shed innocent blood, a man who killed someone. God says of David, he's a man after my own heart. What does that tell me? That tells me that God is a restorer of life. The reality of of the decision I made at the age of 19, the reality of that decision is, is that I took a life. I took the life of my first child. The only way that I can stand here today is because I serve a God that is merciful. I serve a God that is gracious. I serve a God that is a healer and a restorer of life. When I came to know Jesus Christ at the age of 20, in that one moment when I prayed that prayer of salvation, I said, Jesus, come into my life. I need you. I've messed up. I've made so many mistakes. Come into my life. In that moment, God's healing came. In that moment, his love flooded me. And I, I mean, it was just like, I, 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 don't, I don't even think I can describe it, really. Um, I, I felt the love of God come on me. And it was a month, long, months, I should say, long process of God healing me and restoring life into me. Can I tell you that, yes, I've been forgiven. Yes, I've been healed. Yes, I've been cleansed. But I remember that day. I'll never forget it. A woman that chooses to have an abortion is reminded of that decision when she has her firstborn and holds that child in her arms for the first time. She's reminded of that decision when she gets an invitation for a baby shower. She's reminded of that decision, much like I, you know, we have two daughters, Car and Faith, and they're amazing and they're beautiful, and I'll never forget when I held Car in my arms for the first time. I was holding her and just tears were just running down my face. And as I was holding her, those tears are coming, and everybody would look at me, and they would think, man, she's just so happy to have that baby. And yes, many of those tears were tears of joy. My child, been waiting for her for 10 months, really. Many of those tears were tears of joy, but at the same time, I had many tears that were tears of sorrow, realizing and, and knowing at that moment as I held that baby girl in my arms, knowing the life that I took. What could have been? So, an abortion is something that is remembered. Though God forgives, yes, God forgives, God heals, and God, God, God does a work in the grieving process. But we've got to understand what takes place in a woman, into a woman, when she makes that decision. And tonight, maybe it's, maybe it's not 
Maybe it's not abortion. Maybe you have not had an abortion. Reality is that there's, there's possibly at least one of us here, besides myself, that has. But for you, maybe, maybe it's not an abortion. Maybe that wasn't your mistake. Maybe that wasn't the sin and the mistake that you made. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's something else. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that when we come to Christ Jesus, we're a new creation. The Bible says the old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. Old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. The Bible says in, in Romans 8.28 that God works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes and can I tell you that every single individual on the place of this planet is called by God God works all things together for good for those who are called by God that love God and are called by God and Romans 8 1 says this that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and if you're here tonight and you know that you've made some mistakes. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was weeks ago. Maybe it was years ago. And it's a mistake that you're reminded of daily. It's a mistake that you remember. It's something that haunts you and you sense condemnation. Can I tell you, condemnation, you know when you're experiencing condemnation because condemnation brings hopelessness. Condemnation brings no hope. It's a sense of hopelessness. But when conviction comes... When the Holy Spirit comes upon you in moments like this and conviction comes, conviction brings hope. Conviction comes into your life and it brings hope to change. It brings hope for a future. And that is what Jesus Christ has come to give, in, to give each one of us here today. Whether you've had an abortion, you've made that decision. And can I say that not, it's not, abortion doesn't just affect women. Abortion affects men. There are men that encourage that, and it, it haunts men for a lifetime as well. But maybe it's not abortion today. Maybe it's something else. But can I say to you that, that Christ comes to bring hope. And just like if we, we stand here tonight and we cry out to God like David cried out to God. And say, God, we've sinned. God, we've made a mistake. But don't take your presence from me. Don't take your spirit from me. But come into my life. I guarantee you that God is here. His presence is in this place. And God is coming to bring a conviction that leads you to hope. Hope of change. Hope of a future. A hope of one day standing in heaven and holding that child in your arms. <laughs> the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes to bring hope. To bring a life. The life that Christ came to give us. A life more abundant. So can we stand here tonight? What the Bible says. What the Bible says. Tonight we've taken a look at what the Bible does say. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In that moment, when I was laying on that table in that clinic undergoing that procedure Christ died for me in that moment when you were in your sin Christ died for you the Bible says that we love him because he what? he first loved us God is not waiting for you to get everything perfect God is not waiting for you to to get everything right in your life and then to come to Him. The Bible says that He loved us. He first loved us. While we were still in that state of gross sin with our filthy rags and just all messed up, Christ died 
for you and he died for me. And why did he do it? Because he sees it. Not that your past is so bad. This is something that you'll hear us talk about all the time at Urban. Christ did, did not die for me because my past is so horrible. Christ did not die for me because he knew I was going to have an abortion. Christ did not die for me because I was strung out of drugs. Christ died for me and he shed his blood because he knew that my future was so great. Christ died for you and I because he knows the plan and the purpose that he has for you. He died because he has a future and a hope for you. And so tonight, I don't know what it is. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what it is. But I come to you tonight to say that God loves you. That God is coming to give you hope. God is coming to give you life. And he's here right now. And I don't know what what your, what your situation is. But right now, we're going to go in and I'm going to have the band lead a, a, a portion of this song. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if you know Jesus Christ tonight as your Lord and Savior. But it's, as Amanda begins to sing this song, I believe that God's presence is here to bring healing, to bring restoration, and to bring you to a good God who loves you and has a hope and a future for you.